0: We are here with Richard Horvitz. What's it like being a voice actor here at Rock and Shock?
1: Talking to Mr. The Dome. Spooty, spoot, spoot. Eh, 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 Yes, Eep. Hello. Hi, I am Zim. Yes, yes. You're part of the collective now. Muscular Beaver whoosh. Just kidding. It's being like this. Hi, I'm a voice actor here at Rock and
2: Shock for Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Could we
0: have a better intro than that?
2: <laughs> yes, you could not.
0: We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily.
2: It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the
0: truth. Confess, confess that we will give you witchcraft. you think me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're
1: all messed up.
0: bye by Saturday night. Welcome, everybody, to yet another Area 51 recording of Sci-Fi Saturday Night, the only podcast to guarantee, and we put that guarantee in writing, but try and find it, that if you listen, you can hear stuff. I'm not going to guarantee what kind of stuff this week, however, it will be good stuff. In this episode, which is episode 457, we are going to walk to someplace we've never walked before. With somebody we've walked around with a lot. So let's see how that works out. We are still in pandemic show mode because uh, the world sucks and we're still in 2020. Uh, And because of the need for social distancing, the clogging of the inner tubes, and the World Wide Web is clogged beyond all belief, it's difficult to still get a solid signal. We are once again uh, using a paired back cast, hoping for the best and whatever. And at some point, Captain Cam will get used to my taunts, uh, and then he will have to be physically removed. So in the broadcast facility tonight, it is just me and Chip. Chip, how you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing exceedingly
1: well. My my short game is amazing. You know, it's you've got to you've got to be the ball, and you got to be the ball into the hole, and then you've got to go down into the hole, and then you've got to stay in the hole. And there's more to it, but I can never remember the rest of it. Uh,
0: well, uh, I, 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 I just got a phone call from, um, from, from the clinic. Yes. Um, now, now we, we, uh, for those of you who are unaware of, 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 of Chip's uh, malady, last week he lost his professional status in miniature golf. When playing a particularly difficult water hole, he uh, had what they call an issue, and because of that issue, had a a a shall we say career threatening injury,
2: which I took back. him
0: directly. I didn't say career-ending, but I did say career-threatening injury. Now, I know that it was a difficult water hole, and I know that the windmill threw you off. Um, but the 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 X-ray tech that I spoke with referred to what he saw in the picture as a pooping duck fracture. Um, now I, I, when I stopped hyperventilating from laughing so hard, uh, she explained to me that when you hold the, the x-ray in a certain way, it looks like a duck taking a crap. <laughs> um, she also said it wasn't terribly serious, but just for jollies, they had to put a huge green cast on your hand and she made it as large as possible and and, and then had it painted the color of the master's uh, green j- jacket just for total humiliation. And I, I just like to know if that's absolutely correct.
1: Yeah, all of it. Well, be that, uh, luckily she didn't tell you about the... The other fracture, which was the elephant rubbing itself up against a tree fracture, um, that was <laughs> down on my arm. And, you know, that was just, you know, luckily, you know, that would, will also heal.
0: Well, it's it's good to know that when, when something fun happens, I can call... <laughs> And find out just how funny it is to have you <laughs> be embarrassed <laughs> by your own medical staff
1: <laughs> you and medical
0: laws. <laughs> 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 and it, it's also good to know that it's really not um, um, life-threatening and nobody act, was actually no, – no ducks were actually – uh embarrassed during the taking of those pictures Mm -hmm. that i'm gonna tell (laughs) and you are hereby banned for miniature golf until it is fully healed
1: oh fine be that way i will be back you just tell my screaming fans i will be back
0: i i I I made your screaming fan. In fact, I, I told you to shut your screaming fan off before we started tonight's show, and I hope you did so. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 decided to be quiet. Yes.
0: Okay. Cool. Um. Every once in a while, we come across a person that we really like for for a lot of reasons. Sometimes we like the person because of the output they do, be it be it uh, their art, their artisanship, their writing, their acting, whatever. Sometimes it's because they're a genuinely nice human being. Sometimes it's because they're a genuinely good, kind human being. And on on rare occasions, it's all three. Uh, then you get the fact that they're genuinely brilliant. Ladies and gentlemen, here's all four built into one. Back for her fourth appearance on the show. VS Holmes I am so happy to have you back V
2: I am so happy to be here
0: And when when I say genuinely brilliant here's what I mean Um in all the time I've known you and it's been like gosh 4 or 5 years now
2: Yeah it's been it's been at least since 2016 the beginning of the end
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah Back when we could shake hands and mm-hmm. we could sit next to each other and have have talks and, and, and do, and go to conventions and, and all that needs. <laughs> and, and, and we can't do any of that anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you. Thank you. 2020. Um, I knew you as a sci-fi writer and I fell in love with, with the character, which, the brilliant character that you wrote, Nell Bentley, who was in many ways based on, uh, it, portions of your own life, uh, portions of your, your own intellect and your, your, your own work and, and, uh, what you do for a living and that kind of stuff. And then expand it out from there and, um, uh, I just fell in love with her As You Let her grow From uh, When I first met her in 2016 And on and on And on and on And then all of a sudden um, Somebody threw at me a copy of Smoke and Rain (laughs) And literally Threw it at me And I went (laughs) This is not V. And they went, look at the front of the book, jerk. <laughs> and they went, oh, international selling, best-selling author V.S. Holmes created the Reforged series and the Nell Bentley books. Mm-hmm. Hmm. This has to be. There can't be two people with the same name. Who write in the same really clear, precise, wonderful style? Who create in the same crisp and, and clean and 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 refreshingly different way? And yet are creating worlds that are creating worlds and characters and 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 stories that are so diametrically different what the hell <laughs> where where did this one come from where, where where did this series of books come from
2: wait first i mean you you just got to see the inside of my head it's it's a disaster in here um <laughs> i love
0: it let's not no let's not play that game at all <laughs>
2: Um, well, what's funny is Smoke and Rain was the beginning of my journey as an, as an author and the beginning of really me taking my writing career to the next level, you know, because I, I dabbled in various stories and finished a few of them and, you know, trunked most of them because that's where they belonged. But this was my, my real first foray into the professional writing world. Well before Nell, Nell was Nell well, was a side wow. project. Nell Nell was a fun, like I need to get all of these heavy costumes and world building out of my head project. And uh, <laughs> you see how that ended up. Um, <laughs> but no, Smoke and Rain was was my my firstborn.
0: How? <laughs>
2: Why? I I don't know. I think in in a lot of ways, I, well, whenever I'm writing, I always have two very distinct projects at the same time. Um, and, you know, they act as palate cleansers for, for each other. And Smoke and Rain started when I was about 12. Um, and thankfully, it's like, there there's maybe one line that's the same. It's completely different. Um, but it was really just this exploration of these dark psyches and these people trapped in this war and a, a war that they didn't really want to fight in the first place or didn't know how to fight or felt like it wasn't theirs. And it just, it just went from there sort of, I mean, a, a lot of my work really, it starts out as, as a single scene or a single character and then just it, it, it runs away from me and I'm just kind of clinging to the reins, hoping, <laughs> hoping to God I don't die. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's definitely definitely some of that like exploration um in in the first book and i i'm definitely returning to the world too that's that's the the dangerous thing that that i should warn you <laughs> is it like nell it's uh it's far from over
0: i i've never thought for a moment that when you've written a story what it, books of yours end but characters of yours don't and I don't know any better way to describe it than that in that I have never felt at the end of a book that your characters don't have more to tell us and I've always felt that that's Kind of what makes the way you write really special well, and you. really different um, and that's kind of what made me fall in love with Nell. Um, every book of of in in the Nell Bentley series left me very happy very satisfied, very completed, and and yet I knew that there was more there. I, I, you just knew it. Mm -hmm. And because when, because she's you, Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, and I, I think in, in in this book and I'm not sure because I'm still working it and I'm still working <laughs> it through. There's you're in you're one of them. Mm-hmm. Or you may be more than one of them. Or you may be an amalgam of two or three of them. I'm not sure yet. I'd still love to know on it.
2: when when you are, <laughs> because I'm not sure. Either. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can get back to me on that. <laughs>
0: I'm going to. And you know I'm going to. Oh yeah. Because we we need we need to get together more often once this damn pandemic is over. And mm. we will. There's no question about that. Because there's 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 a thing that that happens in the way that you write that personalizes you as you as the character to the reader Mm -hmm. and it's really a special way of writing and as I started reading this I didn't expect it to come through in the same way it did with the other series and slowly (laughs) very slowly It did. It It took me a while to feel the difference in tone and attitude. It's a very different tone and attitude. But once I became comfortable with it, I began to feel you come through it. And it, it felt great. It I felt think that's, really that's
2: good. That's how it was writing it, and I began to enjoy it. it. You know, I I didn't I didn't know where I was necessarily going with it. It was one of the first books that I that I wrote, so I didn't even really plot it out the, the way I I do now. And I it took me forever to get to know Alia, the one of the main characters. I I couldn't get into her head at at all, and I think that's that's part of why it's such a slow burn is in a lot of ways i wanted the reader to have that same experience of i don't know who this person is and i'm, I'm interested but I, I just i'm not sure yet um because that was really my experience of of writing her in a lot of ways
1: that's definitely the way she comes across is we're slowly we slowly learn about alia who's one of the of the fir- the main characters we actually slowly learn about armin who's one of the other ones i mean mm-hmm. even though we it armin's this great character where you meet him you think you know everything about him and then you start <laughs> dribbling in these little things about him one of which i'm not saying because you know it's a, it's a, bit spoiler. a spoiler but there's these little things like because you're looking at him he's like yes he's this happy guy living in this 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 village city state, place and mm-hmm. you know happily happily mm-hmm. doing all this stuff and then you just dribble in these. Well, yes, but yeah, when he was younger, he wanted to roam and be free. He's not as sin. And, and just for some reason, he finally settled down. And then, nope, it doesn't oops. happen. But it, it, yeah, oops. But it's, and the same, but it's like the same is true with Alia you keep drizzling in these little uh, bits of information. Or like uh, somebody like Brentomir, Born. Mm-hmm. He's one of my who, favorites. <laughs> yeah, mine too. Well, he's second to Anthor, but only just because I just love somebody that pops up in the middle of the story and goes, hey, I know a whole bunch of things you don't know. Would you like to know him? And gives you those gun fingers. And I could just, mm-hmm. he's one of those fun characters I love. But yeah, Brentamir is such a fantastic character. And again, you just slowly grow him through that story. And it's so much fun watching him grow as well.
2: He actually, Bren was a surprise um, to me. I mean, I don't, I don't really subscribe to the like, oh, my characters talk to me thing. Um, it's definitely just, I think, me exploring various dusty corners of of the brain. But with Bren, I, I initially just wanted to include, you know, a few small glimpses of this other side of this war, um, because I like a lot of conflicts. You know, there's not always a very clear right and wrong, and there are people on, on either side who are you know, have, have good points or, or have good hearts. And it started out as that. And then towards the end of, you know, one of his first encounters with Alia, I was like, Oh, Oh crap. This guy's, this guy's like just taken, taken over here. This, okay. Now, now, now he's a main character. And well, this is interesting.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And you snuck it right in there.
2: Well, he, he snuck up on me. Ah.
0: The one thing that you've always been able to do is, um, and we've talked about this numerous times, is let the characters run the book. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You kind of have an idea of where, not necessarily where it's going, but what it's about. And you kind of have an idea of who one or two of the characters are. But I mean, you describe this book from the very beginning as a broken world filled with people who are just as broken. Mm-hmm. Well, and I was going to say, <laughs> and it's a, and it's an allegory in that respect. So. I mean, in some ways, you're you're writing about the present. In, in other ways, <clears throat> you're writing about the present through allegory, through fantasy, and yet you're letting these characters run this world for you. And <clears throat> I have a feeling they talked you at night and go (laughs) you know what i want to (laughs) do
2: well it's funny that that you say that and that cam brings up anthor because most of the time they don't talk to me at night my my dreams are actually like surprisingly um unrelated to my fiction for the most part though a few things squeak in but anthor when i was much much younger when the story was really first coming to be I woke up in the middle of the night because insomniac and I had this image of this dude with really pale skin and these like weird winding tattoos. And he was old, but not, you know, terribly aged and he had horns. And I'm like, who, who, who the heck is this dude? And I drew a picture of him and I just thought he looked so neat because I'm, you know, 13 and think dudes with horns are cool. Um <laughs> I, I wanted to put him in the book and that's that's how how anthor got put in i'm like i have to squeeze him in somewhere because he's just he's too much fun and he, i mean even in in the later books as his character changes i i find him really engaging and in a way to explore the like the parts the sides of our brains that we don't always entertain because it's not polite to do so
0: well,
1: that kind of answers the question for me, because I was curious where <laughs> Anthor came from. Because one of the things I, I i made the joke with with Dome, but as you're reading this, I'm going through this. This is fantasy. OK, so I pop the book open. Ah, no dwarves, no elves, no halflings, <laughs> no goblins, no trolls, no no kobolds. What well, well, what's going on here? There's none of the usual archetypes. But it's so fantastic because you have your own races you built in here and your own creations, you know, like anthorn and the race he belongs to, like the Raycos and the Layin, like the and I, I cannot remember, so maybe you can help me out. The lady that that serves on the Athralin <laughs> forces, but is not human. A say, She was yeah. like a say. Uh, thank you. Yeah, she's, she's yes. half a say. Yeah. And you created all of these wonderful races that are created from whole cloth. And so I guess it's for me, it's like, where did you build these from? I mean, you've obviously Amthor came to you in a dream, but, you know, and why didn't you just fall back on the usual you know, archetypes that most, you know, writers use? There's not a one in here. There's not an elf. There's not a dwarf. Why did you skew away from that? Was it a conscious decision? And, you know. You know what was the reasoning?
2: Actually, the original they were in there. Um, oh, no kidding. <laughs> yes. So the the dwarves were pretty much um, I I pretty much erased them from the story uh, during revisions. And the essay the well the typical traits of elves were sort of divided between the essay and the Nenev or or the ageless, which is Anthor's horned race and as I was writing it, it just didn't, every time I tried to write those scenes and integrate those races into my world, it just didn't taste right. I don't know, it didn't click. Um, And which is funny, because I, you know, I grew up reading all of those, and I, I love those archetypes in a lot of ways. But for this particular world, it just didn't fit um, I think partially because in a lot of ways it is a little bit more low fantasy there's not a huge amount of magic there's not magic everywhere and a lot of those races have these deep typically you know these deeply imbued racial magics and I think those aspects of of those races just didn't fit.
1: And it it works for me. I mean, I love what you've done here. It's I mean, I agree with you because I mean, I as well grew up on those archetypes and I love them. But they're not being there does not take a thing away from this book. In fact, it makes it even more interesting because you're discovering new things, new, hopefully, archetypes, you know, that, you know, going forward and and, in such interesting concepts like the gods that are in your books that are – it, it, uh, they are definitely not the distant kind of gods, to be sure.
2: <laughs> oh, so you might wish they were sometimes.
1: <laughs> oh, I think there's at least one or two characters that, after one one's part I read, yeah, I definitely was wishing that they weren't they weren't so close. Yes. And maybe and maybe chose certain clothing for him.
2: Right. <laughs> Here, this looks nice on you. Why don't you wear it for me?
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, and one of the other things um, that I. I I noticed or I think I noticed, so I'll ask you, Mm -hmm. is that with your Nell Bentley books, you can tell that you have a background in archaeology because Mm -hmm. Nell is an archaeologist and all of the information's right there. And I've always loved at the end of the Nell Bentley books, you put that glossary in there with all the terminology. (laughs) So I I felt like I know even more about archaeology than when I started. But as I'm reading this book and knowing something about you after, you know, a few interviews with you, Mm -hmm. I got to thinking, you know. Did your background in archaeology, you know, affect your writing on Smoke and Rain?
2: I think in maybe not Smoke and Rain, since I actually wasn't an archaeologist when it was finished. Um, ah. I mean, I get well, I guess there's like maybe a year overlap there. But when, you know, when the writing part and the revisions were really done, um, I was just starting archaeology. And I, I had never planned to go into archaeology. I like slipped, tripped and fell into a hole pretty much. End, and then just never turn back, never Wait,
0: wait, wait, Have you been mini golfing yeah. with with Cam? <laughs> that's how we that's how we that that's how we pooping <laughs> duck fracture. <That's... laughs>
2: I I mean I don't think I can say the name of the fracture on, on air, but um <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I you know, it was it was sort of an accident and so I think in a lot of ways it was more like the aspects that drove me to write were also the aspects of my of my personality t- that made me interested in archaeology when I did slip, trip, and fall into it. So I think one one definitely influences the other. But as I continued to explore the world uh, after afterwards, I think something that comes from archaeology and that goes into everything that I I write is the exploration of people and what it means to be uh, a person or you know when in in the Nell books it's pretty pretty obvious the debate about like well, well what's human and what's you know what's from earth and and all of that but with smoke and rain and all of the blood of titans books it was much more about the mental side of that um and you know, getting into those psyches, but also getting into those magical powers and more about when do you stop considering yourself to be human?
1: Which is an interesting. I think,
0: I
2: think, <laughs> I, I think something that,
0: that you said is, is even more interesting is that, you know, the, the question in the Nell Bentley books isn't what it means to be human. It's more what it means to be me. Mm -hmm. And and that's kind of that's that's the carryover that I see between the two series, because there's a whole lot of in both series, at least as far as I've gotten in the second series, which is three quarters of the way through the first book, which ain't a lot. Grant, you, (laughs) um, I'm, I'm working my way through it. And I'm going to have plenty of downtime to be able to do the rest of it. But it's what does it mean to be me in a world that has become chaos, where my life has become chaos? What was I before? What do I need to become to become me again? Mm -hmm. Um, And if that isn't what the hell we're all struggling with right now as well as as within what every writer kind of is struggling with at the same time i don't know where we're at
2: yeah i mean there's definitely it's funny because i i always consider smoke and rain to be or well the the whole fantasy side of things really for me to be the more like armchair philosophy aspects of that self-exploration and you know, Nell naturally gets a little, little gritty, a little silty. Um, (laughs) But
0: nothing wrong with that. (laughs) (laughs) No.
2: And, but I think in a lot of ways, part of that is because I started that writing journey with smoke and rain, kind of unaware that that's what I was doing. You know, obviously as, as I revised and as I returned to the world and returned to those characters, I, you know, I was much more conscious about what I was doing as a writer, but, I don't think because it was grounded in this sort of unconscious exploration. I don't think the world will ever really shake that part of it.
0: It it evolves through it, but it still remains true to it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: How are you handling the ice? The splendid isolation of the pandemic.
2: Well, I got a whole new fantasy novel that really gets into the, into the psyche part. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and I, actually, I, I did also outline the next two books that will be the return to the Blood of Titans world, though with a fairly new cast of characters. Oh, really? Well, you know, This'll some be... people die, Cam. I hate to tell you this, but... Well, because here's, here's the
1: here's the here's the here's the funny part is while Dome said he got this first book thrown at his head, mm-hmm. I got the fourth book in this series thrown at my head first and started no reading that, and then realized oh wait a minute I need to be reading number one and went back to number one, and while I'm reading it I'm going oh, oh shit so you, <laughs> yeah the well, but there was like I was missing other information character, character. yeah I was like it was like. But actually, I wasn't. That was the fun part about picking up book number four is I didn't feel like i met. I felt like there was this vast history to this world, but I never felt like I I, I was I was, you know, lost because, you mm. know, you helped me along with all this and explained everything as we went along. But, you know, coming back and now actually reading the very first book, you know, I can see where that history is coming from and some of the things they talked about in the. Ancient past. Well not ancient
2: past, Mm -hmm.
0: obviously, because it's not that long ago. Well everything's ancient
2: past when you're seventeen and you
0: know Exactly, exactly. Uh Sci-fi Saturday night is the official podcast of Granite Con, Plastic City Comic Con, and the Upper Valley Comic Expo. We are also sponsored by Dreamforge magazine, a superb magazine of fantasy and science fiction, and Comic Art House. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. And if you're looking for a really great gift book for that rapidly approaching semi-annual Fairbanks Melt Day celebration, consider a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. My Peculiar Family, the audiobook, is available on Audible, because I'm not sure where else you could find it. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. For more of his amazing stuff, just look at robwattsonline.com. And don't forget to try the Watt sauce. We have. We love it. Our outro was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. You can find Lawrence Made Me Cry's music on Bandcamp. And a whole lot of love to JoJo and Celine. Many thanks to the gang. From his booking books, thank you, Captain Cam. This is Dome saying... Terry and Jeannie shared pain as lessons, shared joy increased. Thus, do we all refute entropy. Better things are coming, Stacy. Stay strong, Liz. So, unless it's daytime. Good night, everybody.